And thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast from Connect Church. We'd like to invite you to join us in person at 1101 West Grand in Ponca City, Oklahoma, or on Facebook Live. Go to connectchurchpc.com to learn more about how we are helping people connect every day. We are a people, connected people, all in God's love. sermon one. So this is week two of our series, Gumption, and Gumption means what? Thanks, Terry. I knew I could count on my wife to listen to me. Everyone else is like, no, 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 I don't have to listen to you. I'm not married to you. But you guys remember the video? Hey, Jack, show that first video clip for us. Such a feeling's coming over me There is wonder in most everything I see Not a cloud in the sky Got the sun in my eyes And I won't be surprised if it's a dream I'm on the top of the world <laughs> This is the end Beautiful friend This is the end My only friend The end Of our elaborate plan I know you're like, what? you didn't finish it! Okay, Jack, finish the video for us. Listen to this, get this point. Incomplete is intolerable, right? If you don't finish the job, it's just, it's intolerable. You're like, no, you're, you're not getting it. I'm not going to pay for a job half done. I'm not going to ask you to do something and say, wow, you did it 90% of the way. Incomplete is intolerable. Because what is gumption again? Gumption is the character to what? Right. We are all great. Everyone is great. The emotion of the moment, standing up and saying, I'm committed to this, but the completing part is the tough part. That's where we truly find out we are, because non-commitment will cost you so much more than commitment. Non-commitment will cost you so much more in the long run because you're not committed. There are so many people who are sort of committed to Christ. They're sort of committed to, to what God is calling them to do. 
but that non-commitment is what will undo you. Imagine with me, you know, we had a wedding last night, but imagine if you could go back in time when Terry and I got married, and, and we, we say our vows, we say I do, we go and we cut the cake, and then as we're getting ready to leave, she hands me a picture and says, hey, I'm going to go home and live with mom and dad. Here's a picture of me. I'm like, that's, that's not how this works, right? Non-commitment will cost us so much more than commitment. Listen, Jesus Christ on the cross said, it is finished. He was talking about God's great plan to, to redeem people, to buy him back. And on the cross, as he breathed his last breath, he said, it is finished. God's plan has come to fruition. It is now perfect. Not like absolutely perfect, but God's plan was perfect. Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay for us. He said, now it is perfect. Because finishing is at the core of following. At any moment, I want, you to, I want you to get this, at any moment, Jesus Christ could have crawled down off the cross, but he didn't. When Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before, he prayed, God, take this cup from me, but not my will, yours be done. It, it's the finishing aspect. It wasn't 90%. It wasn't we almost did it. It's when you complete the task. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, Paul says this, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. What a great declaration to say. I have finished the race. Being a, a runner, I know the joy of finally finishing the race. When you're done, you're like, wow, I did this. I finished it. I completed it. And he goes on to say, and now a prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Paul is saying, I finished. He didn't say, I, I started the race. I finished the race. There's something to be said about finishing. In high school, one of my races was the Open 400. It's one lap around the track. It is a dead-out sprint. And when you're coming down that home stretch, your body is crying and screaming, please stop. But now, you know, I, I watch the Olympics. I watch these guys who run an 800 meters in a minute and 39 seconds, and I'm like, that's just like sprinting the whole thing. At some point, your body is crying, please stop. You know, it's not about going as far as you can go. It's about pushing yourself to the limit. Spiritually, we, we want to be able to say, man, I, I started the race. I, I, I did good. I, I started out well. I started reading my Bible. I started doing this. I started going to church. I, I started getting involved. But the question is, did you complete? Did you complete? The evidence that you've committed is that you have completed. I want to use a, a movie to help wrap all this together. The movie I want to use today is Apollo 13. So the backstory of Apollo 13 was on Apollo 11. Everybody knows Apollo 11 made the, the first trip to the moon. And Apollo 13 was going to go back to the moon except 
they had problems. I want you to watch this video clip. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this for us. Okay, people, listen up. Watch you all to forget the flight plan. From this moment on, we are improvising a new mission. Sorry, we'll get somebody to look at that. How do we get our people home? They are here. You turn it around, straight back, yes. direct the board. Oh, no, 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 sir. We get them on a free return trajectory. The option with the fewest question marks for sight. I agree with Jerry. Use the moon's gravity, slingshot them around. No, the left will not support three guys for that amount of time. Barely holds. I mean, we have got to do a direct abort. We do an about face. We bring the guys right home right now. Get them back soon. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't even know if the Odyssey's engine's even working, and if there's been serious damage to this spacecraft. They blow up and they die. That is not the argument. We're talking about time, not whether or not these guys. Let me sugarcoat this Let's hold it down. Let's hold it down, people. The only engine we've got with enough power for a direct abort is the SPS on the service module. Well, Lovell has told us it could have been damaged in an explosion, so let's consider that engine dead. We like that thing up, could blow the whole works. It's too risky. We're not going to take that chance. That's the only thing the command module is good for is re-entry, so that leaves us with the LEM, which means free return trajectory. Once we get the guys around the moon, we'll fire up the LEM engine, make a long burn, pick up some speed, get them home as quick as we can. Gene, I'm wondering what the, what the Grumman guys think about this. We can't make any guarantees. We designed the LEM to land on the moon. Not fire the engine out there for course correction. Well, unfortunately, we're not landing on the moon, are we? I don't care what anything was designed to do. I care about what it can do. Well, let's get to work. Let's lay it out. Okay? What do you do when you have to throw the flight plan away? What do you do when, when your life does not turn out the way that you initially intended for it? You have to throw the, light, the, the flight plan away and say, okay, now my pants are on fire and I've got to do something about it. That's exactly where they're going. They, they're throwing it away because here's what I want you to know. Completing is hard work. Completing is hard work. And that's where all of the work takes place, and that's where you get your hands dirty, and that's where you find out who's really committed as if you're going to complete it. And it's hard work. Lots of people do a 10-day project. Lots of people show up on day one. But only about 20% of the people are going to show up on day 10. It's Pareto's principle. 20% of people do 80% of the work. It works in all aspects of your life. If you cook a meal, do you know that 20% of the people are going to eat 80% of the food? It works in our house. We have teenage boys. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people do everything, right? The completing is hard work. There's a country church in which a guy was praying. He came to the altar, and, and every night at revival, he'd come to the altar, and he'd say the same thing. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. On the fifth night, the preacher came down and he said, the problem is not, isn't that you need to be filled, the problem is that you're leaking. And sometimes we feel that same way. We keep praying, God, fill me, but we're leaking so hard, so much, that we just can't seem to complete the task. Here's the other thing I want you to know. Whenever we face a tough obstacle, the reward is on the other side. 
in marriage, when you're going through a, a, a tough season, you're like, you know, I, I think I just married a, a terrible person. The reward is on the other side. In, in parenting, when you're, you're raising these kids, you're like, man, these kids are driving me crazy. They're, they're not listening to me. They don't care what I think. They, they're hurting me. The reward is on the other side. As my mom once told me, grandparenting is the reward for not killing your kids. The reward is on the other side. Apollo 13 had a new mission. Watch this clip with us. You're telling me you can only give our guys 45 hours? That brings them to about there. Gentlemen, that's not acceptable. Power is everything. What do you mean? Without it, they don't talk to us. They don't correct their trajectory. They don't turn the heat shield around. I, we got to turn everything off. Now. They're not going to make it to re-entry. What do you mean, everything? With everything on, the LEM draws 60 amps. At that rate, in 16 hours, the batteries are dead, not 45. And so is the crew. We got to get them down to 12 amps. Oh. How many? You can't run a vacuum cleaner on 12 amps, John. We have to turn off the radars, cabin heater, instrument displays, the guidance computer, the whole smack. Whoa, guidance computer? What if they need to do another burn? Gene, they won't even know which way they're pointed. The more time we talk down here, the more juice they waste up there. I've been looking at the data for the past hour. That's the deal? That's the deal. Okay, John. And then we finish the burn, we'll power down the limb. All right. Now, in the meantime, we're going to have a frozen command module up there. In a couple days, we're going to have to power it up using nothing but the reentry batteries. Yeah, we've been tried before. We've never even simulated it before, Gene. Well, we're going to have to figure it out. I want people in our simulators working reentry scenarios. I want you guys to find every engineer who designed every switch, every circuit, every transistor, and every light bulb that's up there. Then I want you to talk to the guy in the assembly line who actually built the thing. Find out how to squeeze every amp out of both of these machines. I want this marked all the way back to Earth with time to spare. We never lost an American in space. We're sure not going to lose one on my watch. Failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. So many times we say, no, I, I want to give up, I want to give up, I want to give up. I, I can't do this anymore. It hurts. Failure is not an option. So last week as we started this journey, we talked about Gideon. And God called Gideon, and Gideon wasn't the guy that everybody thinks, man, he's a hero, he's a mighty champion. God calls him a mighty hero, and Gideon goes, no, you understand. I'm the youngest of my family. My family is the smallest of my clan. My clan is the weakest of my tribe. My tribe is the... There's the smallest tribe in all of Israel. Who are you talking to, God? God says, I see who you really are. And, and so then Gideon calls up, blows the trumpet, gathers all the people to, to, to start war against the Midianites. The Midianites had 100,000 in their army. Gideon could only sum up 32,000. Using math, that means one Israelite's fighting three people. God says, I got too many people. Gideon's like, God, um, I'm not sure if you can count or not, but they already outnumber us three to one. God says, tell everyone who's scared to go home. Okay. I'm, I just want you to know, 22,000 people left. I would have been numbered in that 22,000. 
Now I'm going home. How many times do we say, do we say to God, I don't trust you, so I'm going to give up early. I'm going to stop early. I'm not going to complete. I'm not going to finish because it seems too difficult. And so 22,000 left and went home. God comes to Gideon and said, Gideon, I see you have 10,000. He goes, yeah, one for every 10, 10, 10 Midianites. God says, again, you have too many people. So he sends them down and he goes, I want you to see how they drink, and I want you to send those who drink the wrong way home. And so he was left with 300 men. I didn't think for your moment, if you're one of those 300 going, how's this going to work, God? What are you going to do? In Judges chapter 7, verse 22, it says, When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled the places far away and to the border of Abel-Moleth near Taba. So the Israelites had gathered around the camp of the Midianites. They had clay pitchers with torches inside, and they each had a trumpet. They blew their trumpet, they threw their pitchers down, and they see these flames go up, and they think, wow, we are surrounded by 300,000 men. No, they were surrounded by 300. They assumed every trumpet, every light they saw represented 100 men, or 1,000 men. They, they were thrown into the discord, they started killing one another, they were confused. And then it goes on to say that they, they ran away. In Judges chapter 8, verses 22 through 23, then the Israelites said to Gideon, be our ruler, you and your son, your grandson, be our rulers for you have rescued us from Midian. But Gideon replied, I will not rule over you nor will my son, the Lord will rule over you. When someone wants to give you a crown, how do you answer it? Yeah, I'll rule. I'll be in charge. I can do that. He goes, that's not what God's calling me to do. So many times we win the battle, we want the crown. But you know, there's something else that we have to understand. Verse 4, the Israelites are chasing the Midianites now, and they were tired. Anybody here ever been tired? I want you to know, this morning's sermon is brought to you by three espresso shots. Thank you very much. I wasn't feeling it this morning. I came to church. I made myself three lattes with double shots in them. Actually, that makes six espresso shots, wouldn't it? Doesn't matter. It's all good, right? Toby got here. He's like, wow, you look pretty good. I'm like, yeah, I'm running off a buzz. It's great. In verse 4 of chapter 8, it says, Gideon crossed the Jordan River with the 300 men, and though exhausted, they continued the chase the enemy. Connectors, this right here is a grit of gumption. It, you have to fight through exhaustion points. You have to fight through when you're, when, when you're exhausted. Say, you know what? We need to fight through this exhaustion. We need to continue. We need to go on. We need to continue fighting. We have to fight through giving up because finishing is at the core of following. So going back to Apollo 13, they have this funny scenario where they have to put a square peg in a round hole. Watch this clip with us real quick. Gene, we have a situation brewing with the carbon dioxide. We had a CO2 filter problem on the lunar module. 
five filters on a limb, which are meant for two guys for a day and a half. So I told the doctor. They're already up to eight on the gauges. Anything over 15 and you get impaired judgment, blackouts, the beginnings of brain asphyxia. What about the scrubbers on the command module? They take square cartridges. The ones on the limb are round. <sighs> Tell me this isn't a government operation. It just isn't a contingency we've remotely looked at. Those CO2 levels are going to be getting toxic. Well, I suggest you gentlemen invent a way to put a square peg in a round hole. Rapidly. Okay, people, listen up. People upstairs, Candidates this one, and we gotta come through. We gotta find a way to make this fit into the hole for this. Using nothing but that. Let's get it organized. Okay, okay, let's build a filter. Deadly CO2 gas is literally poisoning the astronauts with every breath in and out. Heads up, people, look out now. What's this? That's what they gotta make. Well, I hope you got the procedures for me. Right here. That's it? You gotta fix problems. Sometimes, sometimes our life, our spiritual journey, isn't as easy as going from point A to point B. There's obstacles, there's mountains, there's rivers to cross. We've got to figure out how to get across. And we're like, man, there was no flight plan, no training for this. I, I don't know how to get from here to there. We have to fix problems. Two things that we get wrong. Sometimes we say, if God is in it, there should be no exhaustion. We say, man, if God truly is in this, then I shouldn't get, get tired because God is in this. But even when God's in it, sometimes the enemy is also fighting against us. And we have to be willing to say, you know what? Though I'm tired, though I want to take a nap, I'm going to fight through exhaustion points. The presence of exhaustion does not equate to the absence of God. Sometimes it equates to the spiritual battle in which we face. I want to give you guys some free advice real quick. The most effective way to remember your wife's birthday is forget it once. <laughs> True? After an argument, the wife said to her husband, I was a fool when I married you. The husband said, yes, I know, but I was in love and didn't care. Come on, that was funny. Feel free to laugh. You're like, I don't know. I'm standing next to my wife. This is not funny. Can I do one last one? Okay, thanks. All right. I mean, I have the microphone. But of course, David could mute me. Just think of it. <laughs> nice, David. For those of you watching at home, we do not have technical difficulties. <laughs> David's like, I just want you to be able to go home in peace today. <laughs> just think, if it wasn't for marriage, men would go around life thinking they had no faults at all. <laughs> like, should I laugh? Is that true? I'm not sure. I know. You're, I know. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. All too often, this is what I hear people say to me. Mark, this is getting hard. God must not be in it. Mike Rowe one time said this, Americans have lost their ability to work. 
We just think that, that life should be easy. And if, if things were easy, it would be great. But you know what I learned from watching the movie The Matrix? Is that when life is perfect, we realize that we're not really living in, in the world anyway, and we create problems. You see, finishing is the core of following. The second thing that we get wrong, we say, we say this, if God's in it, there should be no setbacks. Everything should work out perfectly for us because God is in it. In 2009, I walked in this building and, and, and God said to me, this, you, you will pastor this church someday. And I'm like, well, they're not of my denomination. I have no clue what you're talking about. And in 2012, we were moved by God. We started praying and we started pursuing to get into this building. There was another church meeting here. And we started talking to them. And the door kept shutting. I mean, sometimes it shut so hard in the face. I know you can't realize this, but it made my nose smaller. It hit me so hard. Imagine how big my nose was before this. There were times where I would come over and, and I would meet with their leadership team and, and, and they were asking a price that we could not pay. We didn't have the money to pay. Nobody's going to loan us the money to pay it. And I'd come in, I'd say, hey, I've got some ideas, ways that we can work around this. And there was a lady, and she would smile, and she would pat me on the forehead. She goes, you're such a good boy. And I'm like, thank you, mom. And it wasn't my mom. But I, I didn't care. I really didn't care. I mean, they, they, they could have been mean to me. They could have called me names. They, they, they could have hung my picture up, thrown darts at it. I didn't care. Why didn't I care? Because I knew where God wanted us. Were there times I was frustrated? Yeah. I would come around this building, I would pray around it. Whenever I saw prospective people coming in to look at the building, I'd go home and I'd go, God, you told us that that was our building and there's someone in there who's looking to buy it. And God said, do you trust me? Like, no, I don't trust you. Just give it to me. Just because God's in something doesn't mean there won't be setbacks. And just because it looks like everything is working, that at a certain time, all of, everything's going to work out for us, doesn't mean that God's not going to say, hey, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. One thing that we need to get right, we have to crash through quitting points. There are certain times in our life where we just throw up our hands and say, I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I quit. When, when, there, there are times where, where Terry and I will do a home project, and she's like, hey, let's do this until we finish it, and I will notoriously say, I'm done. I quit. I'm going to go take a nap now. And she'll say, well, fine. I'll do it all by myself. And there's inside of me this competitive nature that says, I'm not going to be outdone. All of us have quitting points which we want to stop. We want to call it up and say, you know, I'm, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I quit. Galatians 6, 9. I read it to you guys last week. Paul says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if we just don't give up. 
I heard a quote in college, and it, it struck me. The quote was this, the caterpillar is the most confused creature which roams the planet, because undoubtedly stamped in its soul is the call of the fly that is crawling around its belly. Think about the caterpillar. It starts off as an egg. It hatches, it's a caterpillar, it's crawling around, eating these leaves, but stamped on its soul is a desire to fly. He eats all these leaves, and then he becomes... He becomes this cocoon, and then out of that cocoon becomes a beautiful butterfly flying all over the place. God's looking at us and says, I know that sometimes you feel like you're a caterpillar, but guess what? You're actually a butterfly. You were called to fly. So the life connection, what do do we need to do to, to get from where we are to where we need to be? Well, one is worship weekly to say, gather together and say, you know, I want to gather together the body of the believers and worship and see God do great things. We need to read our Bible daily because it's from the Bible that, that God teaches you. Sometimes you're reading through the Bible and you're like, what? That says that in the Bible? It's so much fun to learn what God is speaking to us in the Bible. Pray constantly. Paul says, I am in constant prayer. I live a life of prayer. I pray constantly. Terry has a shirt on that says, uh, free prayer. And so if you go up to Terry and say, hey, I want what your shirt is saying, pray with me. But you know what? We need to pray constantly. This year we need to look for someone to reach and say, you know what? I want to reach out. I want to invite someone to come with me, to join me at Connect Church, to see what God is doing, to watch God move over their lives. And then I want to serve consistently. I want to be a part of what God is doing, and I want to be on the team. I want to be involved. I, you know, I, Terry and I uh, have our son Lance, who's playing seventh grade football, and it's been fun to go watch Lance and Nolan and their friends playing football and, and everything. And I had a wedding rehearsal on Thursday night, so I am driving probably too fast. Actually, I was not driving too fast. I had three precious people in my car, so I was driving very safely on country roads <laughs> to, to get back to, to watch the game. And, and, and I get there, and I'm watching it. I got there right about the end of the first quarter, watching the first quarter, watched the second quarter, third quarter. And I'm watching the second half, and I mean, this is not even a lie. Our team is going backwards on offense. You know, you're supposed to move this direction. They were going that direction. I'm like, wow, this does not look good. We were up eight to six, but I mean, if you're moving the wrong direction every time, after a while, and then it was like something clicked. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but they got the ball, and they methodically drove down the field. And, and, and to watch it with each and every play, the energy, and they were coming back to the huddle, and they were tired. I, I talked to one of the coaches, he says, man, the boys were exhausted, they were tired, they weren't feeling well, but they continued to fight. And, and it was so much fun. And then it came down at the end of the game to a key play. It was like fourth and five at the eight or fourth and goal, something like that. And they blitzed a linebacker, and the quarterback, who is the son of a friend of mine, threw an incomplete pass, and to watch them celebrate. Sometimes we need to get that excitement about being a follower of Jesus Christ. 
which by the way, Nolan is amazing to watch run the ball, but he can legitimately punt the ball like 60 yards. I'm not even kidding. And it's fun to watch them like, guys, we'll get ready to punt, and they'll be standing. I'm like, they're not standing far enough back. No one's going to punt it over their head. And he does. You know, God's calling us. Not just to go until we're tired, but to finish. Because gumption is the character to commit and complete. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would speak in our lives. God, I ask that you would just uh, help us, Lord, to, to be followers and, and to be obedient to what you're calling us to. And I thank you, God, for an awesome time to, to be able to follow you. And Lord, I pray that we would complete everything you call us to. We pray this in your holy name. We are a people, connected people, all in God's love. Abundantly, you know you.